0: Look in your Bibles to the book of Isaiah to chapter 55. Isaiah chapter 55, and I want to read verse 6 through verse 11. Isaiah chapter 55, and I'll begin in verse 6. Let's have a word of prayer before we read from the word. Father, we do thank you again for another day and the blessings of it. And we're thankful for each opportunity we have to look into your word. We seek your help as we do that. We ask you to be with us as we study your word and worship you this evening. Again, we thank you for so many blessings you freely bestow upon us. We pray for each member of our church. We ask that you watch over each one. pray especially for those that are sick. We ask you to be with them and Feel their needs you know what each need and we just ask you to be merciful again we ask you to be with all of your people in churches and I pray in Jesus name Amen Isaiah 55 verse 6 seek ye the Lord while he may be found call ye upon him while he is near let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts, let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your And my thoughts, than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sin it. Since sin entered into this world, the human race has been corrupted. Sin has had a devastating effect upon the human race. Because of sin, every individual is born into this world with a totally depraved nature, being a dead sinner. I'm going to mention just a few verses. I'm not going to turn there. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and in verse 22, it says, In Adam all die. Literally, it means in Adam all be dead how it would read in the original language. In the book of Romans, in chapter 5 and in verse 15, it says, Through the uh, offense of one, many be dead. In verse 18 of Romans 5, By the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Romans 3, verse 23, For all have sinned and come short, Of the glory of God. Again, the effect of sin and the sin nature. It's very clear in our text in Isaiah chapter 55. And I'll read verse 8 and verse 9 to substantiate that. The Lord said, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. One of the identifying marks of man's depravity and sinful nature is that by nature, man's thoughts, our thoughts, are not God's thoughts. Our ways are not God's ways. The wording in verse 9 is used to express the great distance between God's thoughts and God's ways than those of sinful men. I'll read it again. But as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. But not only is there a great distance, distance, mentioned in verse 9, but it goes even beyond that. God's thoughts and ways are of a higher caliber or nature than the thoughts of man. They are, are greater in many different ways. God's thoughts are holy, even as he is holy. God's thoughts are pure, even as His are pure. And certainly there is a difference between God's thoughts and our thoughts. I'm going to go all the way back to the book of Genesis to chapter 6. In Genesis and in chapter 6, this is just before God's judgment upon sin uh, with the flood. Genesis chapter 6 and in verse 5, and God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, that every imagination of the thoughts of his hearts was only evil continually. Note three words in that, that one verse. Note the word every, and the word only, and the word continually. God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil and that continually. This verse, Genesis chapter 6 and in verse 5, goes directly to the root of the matter. Notice it goes directly to the, the heart of man the thoughts of his heart. I'm going to read in Jeremiah and then go to Matthew. In the book of Jeremiah and in chapter 17 and in verse 9, Jeremiah 17 and in verse 9, the scripture says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Just try to consider all of the deceitful things that there are in this world, but there is nothing in this world that is more deceitful than the heart of man. The Scripture says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Now I'm going to read in the book of Matthew and in chapter 15. Matthew and in chapter 15. Here I'll read verse, verse 18 through verse 20. Matthew fifteen eighteen. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashing hands defileth not a man. Again, verse 18, it is those things which proceed out of the mouth, they come from the heart. They come from the heart. And it is the heart that is desperately wicked and deceitful. Back in our text in Isaiah chapter 55 once again in verse 8 and verse 9, God said, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, So are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And the wording here in these two verses draws a great contrast between the thoughts and the ways of God and the thoughts and the ways of man. God's ways are higher than the thoughts and ways of man. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. And what a shame it is that the thoughts of men are not the thoughts of God. You'll remember the verse, I won't turn there, in Amos chapter 3 and in verse 3, Can two walk together except they be agreed? There's just much in that question. Can two walk together except they be agreed? This text in Isaiah 55 tells us of the great divide between God and man. It is this difference that is stated in verse 8 and in verse 9, which separates God from man. There is that separation between God and man. In order for God and man to walk together, For God and man to have communion and fellowship one with another, one of them must change because two cannot walk together except they be agreed. If they ever come together, if they ever walk together, one has to change. And we know that our God is immutable. He is not subject to change. He is not capable of change God is perfect and holy in all of his ways therefore if God were to change it would lessen and diminish God he cannot change for the better he's already perfect so if he were to change it would be far far the worse so in order for God and man to walk together Man's thoughts and ways have to change in order for man and God to agree and walk together. You're familiar with Acts chapter 17 and in verse 30 where God commands all men everywhere to repent. It is a a command of God that is permanent. It was true, a, a, a true command when it was written. It's still in force today. But repentance involves both a change of mind as well as a change of life. There is no true repentance without, without both of those. There must be a turning from our thoughts and our ways unto the thoughts and the ways of God. Involved in repentance, there is always the acknowledgement of personal sin and failure. That's omitted many times today, but it's still a biblical fact. I'm going to the book of Proverbs chapter 28. I really like this verse in Proverbs when we deal with the matter of repentance. Again, repentance is a change of mind. It is a turning from our ways and our thoughts to the thoughts and the ways of God. In Proverbs 28 and in verse 13, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesses and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Now the first part of this verse, there are many today who cover their sins and think they're okay. But according to this, they shall not prosper. But whoso confesses and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Both of these are necessary in order for there to be true repentance. Not only a confessing of our sins, but a forsaking of those sins. Now back in Isaiah chapter 55 and in verse 7 notice there is to be a forsaking of the ways of the wicked and a forsaking of the thoughts of the unrighteous. There is to be this forsaking. Again in verse 7 let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And again, without this twofold forsaking, there is no true repentance, and therefore there would be no true salvation. Verse 8 gives us the reasons for individuals to forsake their own thoughts and ways you notice the first word in verse 8 is for. That can be interpreted correctly as because. Because my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. Therefore, the command in verse 8, let the wicked forsake his ways and the unrighteous man's his thoughts. Why? Because they're not the thoughts and the ways of Almighty God. Again, if there's going to be that true fellowship and communion with God, God's not going to change. Therefore, the sinner must change. He must forsake his thoughts and his ways. And as it says in verse 7, return unto the Lord. You want to look back to Isaiah 53 and in verse 6. It says there, We have turned everyone to his own way. And our text in Isaiah 55 and in verse 7 speaks of returning to the Lord. In Adam, as well as by our own nature and sin, we have turned everyone to his own way. Again, in Isaiah 55 and in verse 7 Before there is this returning unto the Lord that is mentioned, there must first be this forsaking of the ways of the wicked and the thoughts of the unrighteous. This returning unto the Lord in verse 7. Again, something has to happen to man in order for that to happen. I mentioned this past Sunday concerning uh, conditional promises in the Word of God. Well, verse 7 of our text has two conditional promises. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return unto the Lord, and following that are two promises. And he will have mercy upon him. And this returning again is to our God. And the second conditional promise is he will abundantly pardon. But there must first be this forsaking of the thoughts and the ways of the wicked. If there is true forsaking of the thoughts and the ways of man, The Lord will have mercy upon that individual and will abundantly pardon that individual. I suppose it's been true in every generation. I know it's true in ours. There are many who have made professions of faith in churches, but in their lives there has been no forsaking of their thoughts and their ways. There's been no change of life there's just no true salvation involved in that if there is no change of life certainly when one is is made a new creation there's a change of life if there is this returning to the lord there will by necessity be the forsaking of the ways of the wicked and the thoughts of the unrighteous if there's going to be this mercy and pardon that is mentioned in verse 7, the forsaking must come first. Our text certainly implies if there is no forsaking, there's no mercy. If there is no forsaking, there is no forgiveness. The modern invitational system of so many churches has deceived many in this matter. Just make a decision. Don't worry about a change of life. Just make a decision. It's given many a false sense of peace and security. I know nothing that has done more harm and damage to individuals than the modern religious system that we live in. People think it's good if you're religious. Well, it has deceived many. It has caused many to have a peace that is really no peace. We look around us today and we see the thoughts and the ways of of men and they're not the thoughts and the ways of God. I see it in, in churches over and over again. Their, their ways are not God's ways. Therefore, you know their thoughts are not God's thoughts. If they do not conform to the word of God, you know there's a difference. You know there's a difference. God's ways are laid out for us in the Word of God. God's thoughts are, are expressed in His Word. It's what the Word is, the expression of God. There are many applications could be made concerning verse 8 and verse 9, and certainly verse 7 uh, just has ramifications we could continue on for, for just a long time. But I, you look at churches and notice just from church organization to church order, you'll find that man's ways are not God's ways. And you know, by if the ways are not the same, you know the thoughts are are not the same. You look at the ordinances; how they are observed, not only in the physical manner they are observed but the reason that they are observed and you'll find out that God's ways are not man's ways and man has left the way of God I find this over and over in, in mission work modern mission work is foreign to the word of God mission boards, conventions associations the preaching of the gospel is totally left out or takes a back seat to everything else. I told you that there was a prominent businessman in Grenada told me one time, and I've been told this several times, when people would inquire about our mission work in Thailand and how we do it, and I've been told, well, you can't do it that way. And I told that, businessman at a Rotary Club meeting, that was an ignorant statement. That's what I told him before before the whole group. It's an ignorant statement because we're already doing it. You tell me we can't do it, and we've been doing it for years, and we're still doing it. We're still doing it. But man's thought says you have to have something other than God's order. You have to have something other than God's way, or you just can't do it. The gospel that is preached today in many churches is, in fact, another gospel. It's not God's thoughts and it's not God's ways. It's a gospel which has been perverted by the thoughts and the ways of men. What's behind everything that is contrary to the word of God? It goes back, I think, to Isaiah 55 and verse 8 and verse 9. Man's ways are just not God's ways. Man does not want God's way. Man has always thought they can devise a better way than God's way. But it never, never works. And you know that the thoughts of, the, of men concerning even the sacrificial work of Jesus Christ, the thoughts of man are not the thoughts of God concerning man says the work of Jesus Christ was not sufficient Lest we do something add something to it and the list would just be endless here I go back to this reading and there is a a progression here in this matter we began with reading in verse 6 where it says seek ye the Lord while he may be found call While he is near, let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will will abundantly pardon. Notice in verse 6, notice the commands that go through here. Seek ye the Lord, call ye upon him. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return unto the Lord. I mentioned Sunday also that there are many that do not like conditional things, but there are many conditions in the Word of God. There are things that must happen. You know, we can say, well... No one can repent unless God grants repentance, and that is very much biblical. It's true, God grants repentance. But it does not relieve the sinner from the matter of repentance. There's still this responsibility. Everyone born into this world, in verse 6, has the responsibility to seek the Lord and call upon him. If they don't, they just perish. The wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Again, I know lest God intervenes, nothing's going to happen, but God deals with the individuals as responsible creatures. That is lost today in so many sovereign grace Baptist churches. You just don't hear of man's responsibility. But I find it throughout the the word of of God. Again, when I look at verse 7, I see that the mercy and the pardon is conditional upon this twofold forsaking of the thoughts and the ways. When you look at verse 8, and also verse 9 and the verses that even follow, we have no idea how much greater God's thoughts are than our thoughts. We have the revealed word of God, but we don't still know the mind of God. We have no idea how how much higher God's ways are than our ways. The Bible says God's ways are past finding out. So if they're past finding out, we'll never know the extent of them. They're, they're infinite, and they're infinitely holy. Again, verse 9 speaks of a distance between God's ways and God's thoughts than ours, but again, the matter goes more than just distance. It goes in the quality of the thoughts of God, the quality of the thoughts of man. I'm thankful that these verses are in here. If you go back even to the first part of Isaiah 55, You look at verse 1, and I have many things marked all in my Bible, all down through here. But I notice in verse 1, the word come is used there three times. Come. Come. I find it again in verse 3. Incline your ear and come unto me. Notice how gracious God is. The word come, and I've mentioned this, I know, the word come when I read it in the Bible, whether it's here in Isaiah 55 or anywhere in the New Testament, to me is one of the most gracious words in the Scripture, that such a holy God as we have would say, come unto me, and speak to sinners as we are totally sinful and corrupt, even enemies of God, and God says, just come to me. Come to me. In verse 3, incline your ear and come unto me. Hear, and your soul shall live. The graciousness of our God. I'm going to read verse 7 through verse 9 and close with this. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, So are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Again, two cannot walk together except they be agreed. God's not going to change. If anyone's going to walk with God, they must change.